Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When was the last time you felt afraid? I mean, really afraid. There are as many kinds of ghosts in this world as there are living beings. Some simply appear. Some try to help or communicate with us and others mean us harm. Encounters with the supernatural are not random chaotic experiences. They are all too real. This account is not fiction. It is also real. But do not be afraid. I am here to guide you through the spaces where the living meet the dead. The oldest standing building in the state of Georgia, known as the Herb House, it was a small building on a 10-acre plot of land that housed the gardener that worked there. The plot of land was set up by Oglethorpe and modeled on the Chelsea Botanical Garden in London. The colony's founder recruited botanists from around the world to acquire plants for the garden, such as fruit trees, hemp, flax, grapes, and spices. The garden saw the first cotton cultivated from seeds sent from China an old building with strange noises and lights at night on its top floor. By 1754, the Herb House was enlarged and became an inn and tavern, a haven for sailors, smugglers, rum runners, pirates, and sea rovers. Behind the house and along the bluff of the river stands the ruins of old Fort Wayne, built to protect the harbor during the War of 1812 a popular spot for early morning duels that became known as the Old Fort, a bawdy, brawling neighborhood of immigrants and sailors. Captain Flint died of rum at Savannah, a boozy old sailor with a blue mug who died in the upper room. Come, stow this talk. He's dead, he's dead, and doesn't walk. That I know. Leastways, he won't walk by day. You may lay to that. Dead, aye, sure he's dead, and gone below. But if ever a spirit walked, it would be Flint's. But he died bad, did Flint. It was main hot, and the windy was open. I can hear that old song coming out. Fifteen men. Now he raged, and now he hollered for rum. And now he sang, and the death hall on the man already. Fifteen men were his only song mates, and I tell you true, I never rightly liked to hear it since.
Robert Louis Stevenson's novel, Treasure Island, begins with Billy Bones knocking on the front door of the inn, looking for Captain Flint. Legend holds that Flint died in the upper room yelling, bring aft the rum Darby. They say he died of rum poisoning, but I say he died because Darby didn't bring him another rum. Har, 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 har. There is an account of a man who asked for permission to investigate the tunnels. One entrance from the Buccaneers room, which is a stairway that leads into the rum cellar, and diagonally across the dining room in the corner of what would have been the garden is a tunnel that leads north and south with an opening that heads west, almost under St. Julian Street. The man got down in the tunnel. He started walking south. He got about 20 feet when he felt a cold blast of air. He heard voices, turned, and three men were heading toward him. Two men with bandanas on their heads. One had a patch over his eye, and they were dragging the third man. He quickly pushed himself up against the brick wall and watched as they drugged the man by him, seemingly unaware of his presence. The air was ice cold. He climbed out of the tunnel and left and didn't speak about the incident until a week later. The river forms a half moon. Along the south, the banks are 40 feet high and on the top flat which they call a bluff. Ships that draw 12 feet can ride within 20 feet of the bank. Built on high ground, the Low Country River Cottage has an unusual feature for a wooden structure. There is a brick cellar with an underground passage linking the structure to the harbor. Another tunnel leads to Randolph Street to the east. Drugged, unconscious men were shanghaied here to wake and find themselves bound and gagged in ships outbound for sea. During the age of sail, before the Great War to end all wars, World War I, a man could not freely roam a port city alone. Vessels of wood needed a certain amount of crew to keep the ship seaworthy. Press gangs would be sent out to taverns and grog shops to find skilled sailors. If seamen of experience couldn't readily be found, any young man of strength would do. It didn't matter if he had any sea time experience because he could learn quickly enough after having been shanghaied into service. The local authorities turned a blind eye to the practice because it was good for shipping. In other words, good for the port. If a vessel was loaded and ready to sail, there would need to be a certain amount of able-bodied men aboard to keep the vessel seaworthy. Press gangs would find bodies needed for service, and unless they had connections or money, they would find themselves at sea for a voyage of two to three years. Men couldn't walk the streets alone for fear of being pressed into service. A gentleman usually had a bodyguard, or he would be armed to the teeth because of the threat of press gangs. A gang of six burly men with a ponytailed marine for authority would wander the port looking for able-bodied seamen. If they couldn't find a man of experience, then they would seek a healthy lad of young age and he would be held and pressed into service on board a waiting vessel. 
a sailor would have too much grog or receive a knockout shot from the grip of a pistol and kidnapped for the pirate trade. Privateers and sailors paraded the streets day and night, armed with pistols, daggers, and swords. Jean and Pierre Lafitte, allies of General Andrew Jackson at the Battle of New Orleans, called at the docks of Savannah often. Pierre left the harbor aboard a schooner one dark night in 1821 in a clandestine manner bound on a pirate expedition. Jean Lafitte married Mary Morton from the old fort and was redeemed through the love of a noble woman, at least for a short period. It is known that the pirate ship Jupiter stopped at Savannah in 1817 to take aboard a Greek sailor named Captain Nicholas, the same man who was with Jean Lafitte when he died in the Yucatan in 1826. The ship, a muck with red blood and fit to sink with gold, they were the roughest crew afloat. The devil himself would have feared to go to sea with them. A local tour guide spent the night in the pirate's house as a fundraiser for the local chapter of the Muscular Dystrophy Society. They stayed in the captain's room. He showed up with his guitar, a bottle of rum, and three shot glasses. The director of the Muscular Dystrophy Society brought a sleeping bag and pajamas. The staff at the restaurant left them in the room, set the alarm, and went home at 11 p.m. The two men were left in the captain's room to fend for themselves. The director brought along a copy of Treasure Island. They put a shot glass filled with rum on the corner table for Captain Flint. A shot for himself, and the head of the Muscular Dystrophy Society had a shot. He's strumming his guitar while the director is reading from Treasure Island. He gets to the part where Billy Bones knocks on the door of the Admiral Benbow Inn, and they hear the shot glass slam on the table. They shine the flashlight in the corner and look over to see. Not only is the rum gone, the shot glass is gone. The restaurant's alarm is set and everyone's gone for the night. They turn the overhead light on and start searching for the shot glass. He looks at the other and says, It's not here. Captain Flint must have taken it. At that moment, above their heads, on the second floor, they can hear footsteps, boom, boom, across the floor. The director was out the front door and the alarm went off. In no time, the police were there. And then, a little while later, the manager showed up, explaining that even though he spends the night in many locations that are haunted, he would not stay the night there. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1817, some serious disturbances took place at Savannah between American seamen and the crews of the French privateers La Vengeance and La Gilles, which had been lying in port for some time. Three American sailors were stabbed in the first affray, which took place on the 12th of November. Their countrymen attacked the privateers, men set fire to the La Gilles and burnt her to the waterline. At midnight, having procured a quantity of tar and combustibles, the same men advanced toward La Vengeance, which had been taken possession of by a detachment of the Savannah Volunteer Guard. They obliged the guard to abandon her for their own safety and burned it to the water's edge. Violence escalated, which resulted in six seamen being attacked by dagger-wielding Frenchmen in the upper rooms of the tavern. Second mate Jacob Taylor and ordinary seaman John Collins of the Brig Betty out of Philadelphia were killed. During the sword fight, many were wounded. A French privateer, Pierre Scipion, also killed, and another died of his wounds in jail, with over 1,000 rioters having been apprehended. It is believed those are the men that inhabit the upper floors of the pirate's house today. Over the years, many witnesses have seen the skirmish and heard the moaning and agony of the mortally wounded sailors. Sword fights between a large group of men are reportedly seen and heard. People have fled the restaurant in panic after seeing the ghost of the dead sailors meander through the dining room, armed to the teeth with death in their eyes. In fact, because of an overall feeling of the threat of violence in the air, the upstairs is off limits to patrons of the restaurant and only used for storage, even though the space could easily be used for dining. Many of the staff refused to go there for any reason. A waitress literally ran from the building screaming after going upstairs for some tableware. She went up the narrow stairway in the 1754 building and encountered three sailors of the 18th century who proceeded to grab her and physically assault her in a violent manner. She ran out of the building and will not step foot in the pirate's house again. She later told her roommate that it was as if she were being sexually assaulted by the shades. They were malicious and threatening ghosts and spoke French. An award-winning pirate-themed restaurant offering hearty southern fare and a rustic historic inn, Savannah's famous Pirate's House is located on one of the most historic spots in Georgia. It is here that the Trustees Garden, the first experimental garden in America, was located. Around 1753, when Georgia had become firmly established and the need for the experimental garden no longer existed, the site was developed as a residential section. Since Savannah had become a thriving seaport, one of the first buildings constructed on the former garden site was naturally an inn for visiting sailors. Herb Traub ran the Pirate's House for years and said he always had a feeling of being watched. The restaurant is a series of buildings with 15 different dining rooms and he always had a distinct feeling of not being alone when going from room to room. 
Locking up one night, he walked from the front door through the restaurant to make sure it was empty, checking that no one was in the place. He went to the back and started switching off lights while walking back up to the front. He walked into the buccaneer's room and there was a man sitting at a table, a very large burly man with a calico shirt and a patch over one eye. He had a large tankard in his hand. He looked up and nodded his head. Herb turned on the overhead light to get a better look at the man. The booth was empty. No one was there. He went to the front door. It was locked and bolted from the inside. He searched the entire premises again, and there was no one in the restaurant. But he will never forget the old sea rover sitting at the booth, giving him a nod of approval as he locked the tavern up for the night. A few years back, Samantha Brown with the Travel Channel came to Savannah for a pilot TV series, Haunted South, looking for ghosts. We took her around town and showed her a few places. They asked Mitch and I to dress as pirates so they could film us. The Herb House has a very narrow stairway that leads up to the second floor. We go up the stairs and into the storeroom. They shine a light on us and film the shadow on the wall as we had a sword fight. Samantha Brown is up there with us. She's a very attractive lady, one of the nicest celebrities I've ever met. We go back down, and because of the narrow stairs, I go down first, and then Samantha follows, with Mitchell at the top of the stairs. Halfway down the stairs, Mitch looked behind him and turned white as a sheet. There was someone dressed in the garb of a 19th century sailor that had placed a cold hand on his shoulder. We go down the stairs. So Mitch can catch his breath, we sit at the table. And above our heads, we distinctly hear someone is walking back and forth. Samantha became visibly frightened by the sound of what seemed to be several people milling about in the empty room above. Where the Living Meet the Dead was written and hosted by Robert Edgerly and produced by Mark Francis. To buy Robert's book or get more information on his hauntings tour of Savannah, please go to savannaghostlytours.com. That's savannaghostlytours.com. Journey back in time with monsters, sharks, and dinosaurs as we venture into Jurassic Park, where dinosaurs roam the earth once again. This week, we're exploring the science and the fiction behind the groundbreaking film that brought prehistoric creatures back to life. Follow Monsters, Sharks, and Dinosaurs on your favorite podcast platform, and don't miss an episode of our prehistoric exploration. It's a walk with the dinosaurs that promises to be anything but extinct. This week on Romance Weekly, get ready for a ghostly giggle with Alex as he embarks on a hilarious quest to win back Sophie's heart after a prank goes hilariously wrong. From sending ghost orchids to organizing a spectral flash mob, watch as his efforts to spook her into love lead to laugh-out-loud moments and awkward encounters, including a friend's failed attempt to scare dressed as a less-than-terrifying ghost. 
Will Alex's grand gestures exercise their past troubles or will they just add to the haunted hilarity? Tune in to find out if true love can survive a real ghost of a chance. Follow Romance Weekly wherever you get your shows for this spooky, kooky tale of love and laughter.